Um, I, w- I was going to speak on a rather tricky passage this morning, which involves them, the Israelites putting their wives away. Uh, I, <laughs> um, I don't think it would be appropriate. So, and we do have the children in, and when the children are in, we try to be a bit briefer. I'm going to share on something that cropped up in my Bible reading this week. Um, you've often, you've probably heard me say that I actually read an Old Testament chapter, a new, or a couple of Old Testament chapters, a New Testament chapter and a psalm every day. And this cropped up in my Old Testament reading this week. Um, we were away for the week. Um, not that that's particularly relevant. But it's a, it's a verse that is used very often. It's cropped up a number of times recently here in various words that people have brought. Am I still on? Or was that the death of it? Right. Um, it's cropped up recently in a number of words that people have brought, and it's often used as a kind of proof text for interceding for our nation. And I suddenly saw it this week in a fresh light because I read it in its context. And as those of you who hear me say quite frequently, a text If you take the text out of context, you're left with a con. Um, So reading this verse in its context brings a whole new depth to it and a whole new, um, I think, a whole new sense of meaning. It also challenges the way that we use it sometimes. So you've probably all worked out, or many of you will have worked out which verse I'm talking about. Um, The verse I'm talking about is 2 Chronicles 7.14. Um, I'm going to start reading from verse 11. No, I'm not. I'm just going to read 2 Chronicles 7.14. So 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this. Um, It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Amen. And it's a verse at the moment that, certainly, if we think of it in the context of our land, um, we need. But actually, our land might not be referring to this nation, but we'll come to that in a minute. But actually... And we take this verse, I don't know about the rest of you, the time I first became aware of it was back in the 1970s um, when there was a musical by a guy called Jimmy Owens. Anybody remember If My People? There was a musical by a guy called Jimmy Owens called If My People and it was based around this verse and it was a call to intercession and to prayer. What we often forget is that this promise from God came into a very specific situation. And actually, it was only this week, and I've read this chapter I don't know how many times, but it was only this week that I realized the context in which this promise was made. And I want you to imagine... You are Nick? <laughs> I thought... I th- right. <laughs> I thought you'd put your back out or something the way you're down. <laughs> um, right. So I want you to imagine, okay? 
Imagine that today is the day of the dedication of Solomon's temple. Can you imagine that? So, thousands of animals are being slaughtered, sacrificed. There's great celebration, there's music, there's singing, thousands of people around, and the temple is being dedicated. And the glory of God comes and fills that temple. And into that context doesn't come this verse. Into that context comes Solomon, who prays. And Solomon prays an incredibly long prayer in the chapter preceding the one in which this verse comes. And it's this. He prays this. Uh, I won't read the whole of his prayer because it's um, two or three pages in here. But I'm going to start at chapter 6 and verse 22. He says, When anyone wrongs their neighbor and is required to take an oath, and they come and swear the oath before your altar in this temple, then hear from heaven and act. Judge between your servants, condemning the guilty and bringing down on their heads what they've done and vindicating the innocent by treating them in accordance with their innocence. And then comes this very significant thing that Solomon then prays. Solomon prays this. He says, When your people Israel have been defeated by an enemy because they've sinned against you, and when they turn back and give praise to your name, praying and making supplication before you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave to them and their ancestors. So this comes first. Solomon prays that when the nation has done wrong, when they turn to God, that God will restore them to their land and the land that he gave their ancestors. And what then happens is when Solomon finally finishes praying, and I suspect some people were sitting there thinking, Solomon, get on with it. You know, this is quite a long prayer, really, but they also were in an atmosphere where the glory of God had descended, so they might have forgiven him for that. But so in chapter 7 and verse 11, we then get... When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people... By the way, that comes in the middle of a sentence. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. So actually, when we get this amazing, what we regard as an amazing promise, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and hear their land, that itself is an answer to a prayer. It's not some kind of promise that just comes out of the blue that we can paste onto every tricky situation that we face as a nation. It is a response from God himself to Solomon's prayer for God's people. And it's for God's people that Solomon was praying, not a nation state. 
God's people were a nation state as well, but it's tricky to try and translate that into a 21st century nation state, by the way, but we'll think about that a bit more outside this context. So what we've got here is this promise is itself a response to a prayer. It's not something that just comes out of the blue that is a glorious, lovely promise that looks really good on a Canva background that you can put on social media. It's actually part of God's response to the prayer of the king of a nation for his nation and for that temple that he has built for God. Solomon has built this temple, and when you read the whole of his prayer, do read the whole of that prayer uh, in chapter 6, but when, when you read the whole of that prayer, actually that this is Solomon dedicating this temple that he's built to God. He is dedicating this to the presence of God, for God to dwell among his people. And in a sense... We are now that temple, certainly as far as Tadley's concerned. We are the place where God dwells, not just us. There's people along the road and down the road as well. Um, But the church, God's people, are the place where God dwells. And we are a place that is supposed to be given for us to pray and to call on God. That was what the temple, you know, part of what Solomon was praying for that temple was that it would be a place where God would dwell, where people would be able to pray and come before God to see their land healed, to see the nation healed, um, and for God's presence to be manifestly there. So when we trot out this verse, this is far bigger than just quickly saying, yeah, what we need to do is to repent and pray and God will sort it all out. Actually, it's far bigger than that because that very promise of God comes from a deeply rooted prayer that was a desire to see this temple and us as a temple being the place where God manifestly dwelt. It's far bigger than just about a verse to justify intercession. Um, it's so much more than that, and that's um, what I wanted to communicate this morning, really. To me, that it also shows the value of reading your Bible serially rather than reading a few verses and then a load of trash that someone's written about those verses. Um, you know, actually, we need to be reading through our Bibles because only when we read through them do we see what actually lies behind some of the the thinking there. I'm not saying you shouldn't read anything anyone else writes about the Bible. Phil Norris has just written an entire book of devotions, which is a really great book, by the way. Um, so he didn't write trash. <laughs> just for the sake of my employment. <laughs> no, it is a good book. But there is value in... Uh, and those notes and things should lead us to Scripture, not be a kind of spiritual fast food. I'm getting off the point here. So, we as a nation are at a place at the moment where actually we do need to see God move. Uh, Can we apply this verse to it? In a sense, yes. In another sense, no. Because when he was talking about the land, he was talking about God healing the land that he'd given to his people. Um, 
you know, I think we can, we can push it a bit and we can say, you know, I certainly do believe we should be praying for this nation. And I do believe we as God's people should be praying for this nation, especially at the moment. We find ourselves in a place that is quite a dark place actually at the moment. But what I would have been saying this morning had I been talking about Ezra is what's one of the things we learned about Ezra or learned from Ezra? Sorry? No, well, sort of, yes. Actually, one of the things we learned from Ezra, and we learned it when we looked at Daniel a couple of years ago, God's on the throne. God has his hand on history. Um, And if we don't believe that, then it's pretty dark, quite honestly. We do have to believe that God has his hand on history and that history is heading to a place where the Lord Jesus returns to rule and to reign on this earth. Um, You know, that's where the trajectory of history is heading. So um, I'm going to try and wrap all of that together now. This has all been entirely unscripted. So um, I think, let's work backwards, shall we? It's probably easier. Um, we, we are called. We are called to be people who pray for this nation. Um, and we can moan about our politicians, and there's plenty to moan about, quite frankly, on both sides. Um, I'm going to be even-handed. But actually, God has called us to be people who pray for this nation. So let's be, in the next six weeks or so, let's be people who are praying for this nation, um, rather than people who are just grumbling. I get quite angry. I nearly threw something at the television one day recently. Um, You know, I get as angry as the next person. Uh, And I have certainly shouted at the television a few times lately. (laughs) But I need to be, and we all need to be, people who are praying for this nation. We also need to be careful how we handle scripture when we, we go taking verses and trying to slap them onto situations. Because actually, yes, that verse is a call to prayer. But it's more than a call to prayer. It is God saying, you prayed, I heard, and I will answer. And there were three stages in that process. And it started with someone. And when they prayed, God And when he heard, he answered. So there are three stages to that process, which start with people praying. Uh, And that's really what I would call us to this morning. We are normally finish earlier on Sundays when we have the children in. So I'm going, shall I pray? Uh, And we'll stop there. Did you have anything else, Jonathan? Do you need me to pray for a long time then so you can work out? Um, uh, I'll read out Solomon's prayer. Um, we'll, we'll get the band to come back up and maybe just turn back into sung worship as we close. Um, let's pray, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that as we turn to it, you reveal yourself to us in it. That as we turn to it anew, you reveal yourself anew. That you show yourself to us in passages that have become so familiar that they just trot off our tongues. But Father, we want to thank you that you are a God who answers prayer. 
you're a God who hears prayer. And for you to hear prayer, we need to be people who pray. Lord, will you help us and lead us and draw us on as we continue to be and become a people of prayer, a people who are prepared to turn from our ways, a people who long to see your healing take place in the community in which we dwell. Lord, will you help us to recognize that we are part of that temple, the, the, the temple in which your presence dwells. You no longer dwell in an earthly building, but you do dwell among your people. And will you dwell richly and fully and presently among us, we pray. Amen.